So we always talk about people group, isn't that a good thing? So we're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to actually mention this as a country and you'll go, what? Never heard of that country before. Uh, there's actually a name for this people group uh, as a country because they um, stretch across three nations. So they stretch across Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Iran. And you know, in the past, those country boundaries didn't exist, right? Uh, so they had a name for their country, and it was called Balochistan, B-A-L-O-C-H-I-S-T-A-N, Balochistan. And Balochistan encompassed all three of those countries. They encompassed part of Pakistan, part of Afghanistan, and part of Iran. And it typically happens with peoples. It's just amazing to me how wicked we human beings can be. And in their homeland, they found a lot of oil, and a lot of gas and a lot of gold and all kinds of resources and the people who that belongs to and who are the original inhabitants who of that whole area get how much do you think of that nothing nothing because those three nations Iran and Afghanistan and Pakistan have taken those resources and all the riches away from these people it's just downright wicked isn't it these people have uh, one of the highest in the whole world infant mortality. You know, I don't know what that's like. Do you know what that's like? I don't. You know, what, what is it like just to regularly have babies die? Yeah, that, that, that your nation has a reputation that our nation more babies die than anywhere else. That's just uh, sad. Here's a little boy. There are two million of them, and there's a picture of one boy there from that particular. Balakistan. So I wanted to read two things about them. They have such a long history. The Balak are one of the most ancient semi-nomadic tribal groups that have ever lived. They eventually occupied an area of land that stretched through Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan called Balakistan. Uh, they lived long there ago, as early as the 4th, 5th, 6th centuries. They have been isolated for many years due to harsh climate in that area, especially Iran, the difficulty of communicating, and they do have a past reputation of being bandits. <laughs> so people are afraid of them. There's something called Balak Meyer, which is the honor code by which these people live. These principles include extending hospitality to everybody, mercy to everybody, and dealing with each other with honesty and always being willing to offer refuge to a complete stranger. Amazing. Isn't that remarkable? They even have a name for that code of life, Balakamaya. Before the coming of Islam, these people were Zoroastrians. Hmm. Here's a story. Welcome to Iran and to Balakistan, the rough-looking Iranian named Amir approached two foreign geologists. They had arrived to conduct studies because of the country's mineral reserves. It had taken months for these foreigners to be given permission to visit this region. They hoped that their suggestions would inspire the Iranian government to allow refineries to be built in the undeveloped region. The area is home to two million Balak. The majority live below the poverty line, infant mortality, one of the highest in the world. They are Sunni Muslims in Iran, where it is a minority because most are Shiite. Much like in Pakistan-controlled Balakistan, Iran has not allowed these people in their country to prosper at all from the rich deposits of gas, gold, copper, oil, and uranium that are mined in their homeland. And that just... But Jesus has answers, amen? So maybe somebody would pray for God to do a great work among these two million Balak people.
So we invite the young people, young at heart, to come again. Jonathan's out like a light, isn't he? Seven seems tired too. I brought my old friend back again. <laughs> my old friend back again. Look at that, Seven. Have any idea what that is? What you think that is? What you think? Do you know what it is? It's actually a heater. Everybody know that's a heater. That's a heater. So what was that created to do? To put heat. Exactly. Now, um, what's the problem? Why, why, when I turn this, do I not get any heat? All right. So it ain't. In fact, on this particular one, you see that little red light seven there? Yeah, that red light turns on when that baby's plugged in. So that red light means it has power. So just again, I brought plug-in back again because I look at this and it was created for a purpose, right? This was created, it was made for a purpose, but it's absolutely useless unless it's what? Why does it have to be plugged in? Because what, it, yeah, because it, it, there's an external power source. So if it's not plugged in so that an external power source gives it the power it needs, I might as well throw it what? In the trash can, right? It's useless unless it's what? Plugged in. It needs to have plug-in. And, you know, we're the same way. We are the same way. Uh, we were created for awesome reasons. Every one of us in this room, God created you for glory. He created you for things so great it would blow your mind if you knew everything God made you for. But if you're not plugged in, if you're not plugged in, it's not going to happen, right? So we need to plug in. And we need to plug into who? Jesus. We need to plug in. And what I'm going to talk about for the next couple of weeks, this is more important than words can say. Sam asked me this question this week. He told me flat out, Sam told me, he says, I'm sick and tired of my life. That's a good thing to say sometime, isn't it? He said, I've got goals. I, I want to be an audio technician. I have dreams that God's put into my life. And he says, I want those dreams to happen. And then he looked me right in the face and he said, those are never going to happen as long as I'm drinking. And then he looked at me and he said, Pastor Brian, I want to know how to connect to Jesus. I want to know how to connect. N not talking about religion, not talking about Christianity, not talking about playing church games. He says, I'm not talking about going to church or, and I'm not saying you shouldn't go to church, but Sam wants the real thing. He says, Pastor Brian, I want to plug into Jesus so that the power that's in Jesus is really flowing in me, filling me, and controlling me. I want the plug in, Pastor Brian. How? How do I plug in? And I saw Sam today, right before church, Bob and Nancy said, don't give up on getting Sam to come today. So we went up and put our arm around him and tried. It didn't work, did it, Nancy? But I tried trusting God. I even told Sam, I said, I'm going to begin talking about how you plug in today. You know what his answer was to me? I'll be there next Sunday. <laughs> I said, how do you know there's going to be a next Sunday? Yeah. So I'm actually show you some pictures. And you'll kind of wonder, because this actually relates to plug-in, and then read you a story. 
So, what do you think that couple is? They are. They get married. About a week ago, Lucy and Nathan. There's the wedding party. Lucy and Nathan getting married. And uh, a black and white with the bride and groom coming down the aisle. A black and white. And I had some great pictures. Did I lose the great pictures? Oh, that's all right. Oh, well. Who knows what I did with them? I had them somewhere. Oh, they must be there, right? Thank you. Thank you. You said you could sense, you could sense there was more. Yeah, isn't that a beautiful picture? Yeah. And uh, this couple uh, got married in Bejar, Spain. And um, there was a lot of family arguments before it happened. They weren't sure it was going to happen. And so finally it worked out that, that uh, Nathan and uh, Lucy got married. And her background, um, and her father would be the first to say it, was a Roman Catholic background. I'm not picking on Roman Catholics, but a dead Roman Catholicism where there was no love and no Jesus. So they're getting married at the wedding, and after the wedding is over, they're having a banquet, and the father of the bride comes up to the father of the groom and says, can I have the mic and speak to everybody? And I know Craig really well, and he said he was scared to death. He said, there are 120 people in this room. Should I give this mic to this man? So Craig says he gave the mic to this man, and listen to what this man said at this wedding celebration. He is not a believer. He does not believe in Jesus at all. And this is what he said. I am so happy that my daughter has found true faith in in Jesus Christ in contrast to my family, who has found nothing in our religion. And he put the mic down. Isn't that remarkable? For this man, he's not even a believer, and he stands in front of 120 people. He says, I'm so happy my daughter has plugged in. And I know that my family's been playing religious games, and we've got nothing. He knew it. He, you know, if you'd asked him, are you plugged in? <laughs> he would have said, no, I'm not plugged in. So plugging's important, is it, isn't it? I'll tell you what, not just for Lucy and not just for her family and this man's family, but for every single one of us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 actually talks about that. There's a verse in the Bible. It's a plug-in verse. <laughs> you could actually even retranslate it. If anybody's plugged in to Christ... That's what it's really saying, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is plugged into Christ, he is a new person, a new creation. The old things are passing away and brand new life has come and keeps coming inside him. Isn't that a great verse? If anyone is in Christ, plugged in, he is a what? New creation. New cre- is that religion? No. Is that church games? Christian games? Evangelical games? That's a plug-in. And when you plug in, all of a sudden things are happening that are supernatural and miraculous. So what we're going to talk about for a couple weeks, I wish Sam was here, but we'll pray anyway, is we're going to talk about (laughs) Sam's question. How? Isn't that a great question? Nancy's asked me that at times. How? How do you plug in? How do you really plug in, right? How do you connect in? Isn't that an amazing thing? Just think about this for a minute because I want you to think about this. When you really do plug into Jesus, I mean, when you really plug in, 
What's amazing is what is inside Jesus begins to flow into you, fill you, and overflow you. You are literally, literally being filled up with what is inside Jesus' soul. That's literally filling you up and then overflowing you. Amen? So we want to talk about how to be plugged in, all right? And Nancy always tells me she's got lots of questions and wants to be able to ask questions. So we're going to do a little more preaching, I mean teaching than preaching. And so people can ask questions, okay? And I'm going to be talking about things that I want you to answer things and for you to give answers to the questions, all right? So let's pray and ask the Lord to teach us. Father, you're a great teacher. Jesus, you're the great teacher. Holy Spirit, you're a great teacher. And we're here to listen on the knees of our heart, even if we're not literally on our knees. We're on our knees in our heart because we want to plug in and we want to stay plugged in. We want to connect to Jesus and experience what's in him really flowing, filling, and changing our lives. So teach us how to plug in. And we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. Amen, amen. Plug in time. All right. I've got my Bible somewhere. What's the pastor that is a Bible? Amen. He's in serious trouble. So y'all can come gather around the circle. I want you to be able to see and be able to, to ask and answer questions. So uh, Bob talked about how pretty that was, but it's this side we want, right? So right there. We got that side. And we got some uh, markers, I think. Do these work, Angela? Are they all for this board, or am I going to ruin it with some of them? Good. So they are all dry erase markers. Good. So we'll give it a shot, even with different colors, and we're going to ask you questions, and uh, you get to talk to me. So we really want to answer Sam's question, amen? So Sam says, I want to know, Pastor Brian, how can I plug into Jesus, really connect to him, so that what's in Jesus is really working in my heart in great ways. And I want this to become a reality. I really want it. I'm not looking for church. I'm not looking for religion. I'm not looking for playing games. He says, I simply want to connect into Jesus. Really fair question. Same thing that guy said at that wedding. Also a really fair question, isn't it? Isn't it amazing that a man would stand up at a wedding, take the mic, and say, I'm so glad that my daughter has really found faith in Christ because all the religion of my family is nothing but I can see something in her that's what? Real. And then he puts the mic down. <laughs> Says that at the day his daughter gets married, Lucy. I like that name, Lucy name. Such important things. Amen? So really, they're all focusing on the same question, whether you're talking about plug-in Sam's question or the wedding. How do you connect to Jesus in a supernatural way so that you plug in and you're a new creation in Christ and old things begin to what? Pass away and new things begin to what? Come into your life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old begins to really, really pass away. It begins to lose its hold on you and new things begin to fill your mind, your heart, and your life. How in the world does that happen? So we're going to let Jesus teach us. We're going to let you teach us. We're going to look at different questions and we're going to talk about some stuff. So what I'm going to do <coughs> uh, is I'm going to use my friend here and we're really going to talk about that he doesn't have much hair. I do have a lot of hair, don't I? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's one thing I have. 
What a handsome guy. Yeah, she's a good artist, isn't she? There he is. You know what his name is? So what's his name? His name is Stick. Now, I'm not the most handsome fellow in the world, is he, Nancy? He's only got how many parts, really? A head, a heart, and some feet. Exactly. Did you hear, Nancy? So Nancy's going to teach us he's got a head, he's got a head, he's got a heart, and he's got some feet. They're not very good. And he's going to try to help teach us about how to connect, amen? How to plug into Jesus. So he's my friend and he's going to do it. Now, if you look in the Bible, yeah, they are pitiful. I ought to raise the ears so he only has three things. He just lost his ears. I'm, poor guy. There you go. Poor guy, he just lost it. He got some hair too. Okay. It's interesting that when you read your Bible, it actually, in different passages, will say different things when you ask about how to connect to Jesus. But we're going to talk about, there are actually three words. There are three words that are used over and over in the Bible, and it says it's impossible to plug into Jesus without these three words. Does anybody want to guess what they are? Faith. Who said faith? Okay. So over here on the right, we're going to write the word faith. And before we finish that, I want you to really think about this, because in the Bible, whenever it talks about faith, it never talks about faith without another word. What is the other word? No, it never uses faith without another word, uh-uh. It always has a word. Faith is always about what? What's faith always about? No, but it's about, faith is always, and shame on y'all in this room, shame on y'all, because you should, you should never, ever, ever think of the word faith without thinking of the word what? Who said it? Jesus. It's Jesus. Faith faith always has to do with Jesus. Faith is nothing. It's always focusing on Jesus. And without Jesus, you shouldn't even say the word. Shouldn't even say the word. So whenever you hear the word faith, Jesus, Jesus, that's what faith is all about. Faith in Jesus. But we're going to understand a little bit more about it. But that's just one of the three main words that are used to describe how you plug in. What do you think a second word is? Love certainly is important, but we're talking about how you plug in. In fact, I'll actually let you look it up. Jesus was asked the same question in Mark 1, verse 15. He gave the answer. So somebody look up Mark chapter 1, verse 15. He had come and began his ministry. This was the very beginning of his ministry, and this is what Jesus said. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. And then he says two things. Repent or repentance. So repentance isn't the word faith, is it? Let's get a different color. How about purple? Uh, so how do you open this one, Ant? Is that a dry erase? Yeah, hope so. Hope so. Repentance. Okay, now I want you to come up with this for me. Okay? Whenever I hear the word faith, it's always about who? What is the word repentance always about? Someone said it. It's not self. It's not whatever. Repentance, the same kind of thing. When you hear faith, the first word that should come in your mind is Jesus. When you hear repentance, the first word that should come in your mind is what? Sin. Sin. Repentance is always about sin. There's no such thing as repentance 
if it's not talking about sin. So in Mark 1.15, this is what Jesus said. These are his words. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and have faith or believe in the gospel. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a really important question. This is one reason a lot of people never plug in. This question is so important, and you may have never really thought about it. We're going to talk about three words I said, right? One of those words is repentance. One of those words is faith. I haven't given you the third word yet. Okay. But what I want you to think about is what comes first, repentance or faith? <laughs> and why is it important? Okay, Nancy, that's a good answer. Why do you think repentance comes first? So she says, if you truly feel bad about the things you've done, you'll live different. She's part right, so I'm actually give you an illustration that will help you understand this. Um, if I had pancreatic cancer, which is a very serious kind of cancer, most people die from pancreatic cancer very quickly. So if I have pancreatic cancer, it's dangerous, right? It can destroy me, right? But if I don't know I have it, what will I do? Nothing. Nothing. And what will happen to me? You'll die. But if I know that there is a physician who's got a guaranteed cure to pancreatic cancer that lives in Raleigh, and I know I have the disease and that it's going to kill me, what am I going to do? I'm going to go see the doctor. What do I have to know first? I've got to know about the disease. I'm never going to go to the doctor until I understand clearly the danger and the degree of the disease that I have. It is the disease. And you'll never go to the great physician to be healed until you know more about your what? About your sickness. Listen to how Jesus explained that. He did this in many places. There are many places in Scripture that you'll find that he did this. For example, in Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2 says, The scribes and the Pharisees, this is verse 16, saw Jesus was eating. Who do you think Jesus was eating with? Sinners. Sinners. They began saying to him, why is he eating and drinking with them? Hearing this, Jesus said to them, the healthy people don't need a what? Don't need a doctor. Those who are sick need a doctor. <laughs> who did he come for? The sick. Now I want to ask you a very important question. Were the Pharisees sick? Yes. Did they need a doctor? Yes just as much as anybody else, but they didn't know about their sickness. So they wouldn't go to the what? Doctor. They wouldn't know, go to the doctor. I cannot tell you how important it is. The Holy Spirit has to do a miracle to begin to enroll you in a very important class to teach you about your sin. You know, I tutor kids all the time, and one thing I even tell people this, I tutor a lot of kids in calculus. Right now I think I'm tutoring three calculus students. Let me tell you what, the hardest subject in the world is not calculus. The hardest subject in the world to learn is sin. To learn about your sin, not somebody else's sin. To really be taught by the Holy Spirit, the Father, Jesus, and God about the reality of the sin in your own heart and to learn it clearly, articulately, and well. This is some kind of class you've got to enroll in. And let me tell you what, if you don't learn about your own sin, you will never, ever plug into Jesus. Never. There are a lot of people, this heather, they've never plugged in. Never. And they never will plug in 
until there's a miracle in their heart called repentance from sin. And you've got to learn about your sin before you're going to run to the great physician to get his healing. <laughs> if I don't know I'm sick, I don't need his healing, do I? And there are a lot of people that don't know how sick they are and don't know what kind of trouble they're in. And they have never had repentance from sin happen in their heart. Now, Nancy's already said, why do you think I do three things? Because this deals with your what? Head and your what? Heart and your what? Feet. It has to do with your thinking, your intellect, your knowledge, your understanding. It has to do with the deepest desires in your soul that burn inside you. And it has to do with doing, doing, doing. All three. So I'm going to make it real easy with you because I use letters. I do this with the guys in Belarus all the time. It often starts in your what? Mind, because God has to teach you. You have to learn. You have to learn about your sin. You have to learn. This is a supernatural work of God. Starts with conviction, even if you're not a believer, where God begins to open up your mind, your heart, and your being to instruct you about the reality of what's inside you. Okay? You've got to learn about the dark side. There really is a dark side. And you know where the dark side is? It's inside you. It's inside you. It takes time to learn it. Give them that illustration, driving along the road at night, my windshield looks clear as a bell. Car starts coming in the other direction. Its light shines up on my window and I go, oh my God, it's filthy. Or the lot of people who've never seen the windshield of the soul of their heart. Because the light of Jesus has got to do some serious shining before you look up and go, Oh my God, it's dirty. And you've got to learn two things. You have to, and this takes time. Two things you have to learn is one, your own pollution. You have to learn about the filth that's inside you. Je listen to Jeremiah 17, 9. That scripture is really mind-boggling, isn't it? What does it say about my heart and your heart? The heart is more deceitful. What does that mean? My heart's a liar. The heart is more deceitful than anything else, and it is desperately wicked. Who can understand this? Wow. Think about that again. Your heart is more deceitful than anything else. It is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Wow. How is God going to teach me that? It's going to take a while, isn't it? It's going to take a while. 17.9, listen to the next thing. The heart is more deceitful than all else is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Nobody ever <laughs> quotes the next verse. <laughs> Ten. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Amen? It takes God time to teach you about your heart. See, sin is not about what you do, but what? What you are. It's not about what you do, it's about what you are. And what happens is the shocking reality of the hidden horrible evil that hides in my heart and like a volcano can what? Come out. If we don't do evil things, we don't think we are what? Evil. 
I remember doing a children's message, and I said, they were all up here, there were about 20 when I was doing it this time, 25, and I said, I want to ask you a question, and they're all sitting there, about 25 of them, and I said, how many of you have committed murder? And they kind of laughed at me. I said, how many of you have really killed another human being? How many hands do you think went up? No. So then I asked them a second question. I said, how many of you have ever been angry? Believe it or not, there was one kid that didn't raise his hand. <laughs> but, but why do we laugh at that? Why do we laugh at that when I say, have you ever been angry? Because everyone's been what? Angry. And Jesus said, anger is murder in your heart. The only reason you haven't done the murder is he's kept you from doing it. Isn't that a horrible thing? So, Booty, I might think I'm better than some of those people in prison with Alexander Canis who are serving a life sentence because they killed a human being. And I think Brian Thomas Wright is better than them because I've never what? Yeah. No, 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 no. Murder is in me. Isn't that frightening when I realize that? When I realize the fact that anger is in me means murder is in my soul. I may not have done it, but it is in my heart. Isn't that shocking? Read Matthew 5 that talks about that. It talks about it's not whether a man's committed adultery. The issue is lust. We think, well, if I haven't lied and if I haven't stolen and if I haven't killed and if I hadn't, I'm fine because we're talking all about actions and we don't realize the issues about what's in your heart, but the trouble is it's often hidden, so you and I what? We don't know it's there. Wow, what happens when Jesus begins to teach you about what's inside you? And as you grow as a Christian, it actually gets worse. I am so thankful that my sin doesn't define me because Christ is in me. But I'll tell you what, as I grow as a believer, Jesus shows me many times what is in me without him and what I'm capable of doing. And I tell you, at times, I'll tell you flat out, I am shocked and appalled at the reality of the hidden, horrible, horrible evil that is in my heart. It doesn't define me because that's my flesh. And it doesn't control me because I'm ruled by the love of Jesus. But I know it's there. That's why at times the hidden volcano can just erupt, can't it? Yeah, you know, we're so surprised when even a Christian does something horrible. Why? You know, like King David. Do you know the silent volcano that lurks in your heart and that if you're not careful can erupt? Oh, it is real. It is real. It is real. It is real. So you have to learn that. Okay. What's the second thing you have to learn? Not just the pollution of your sin, but what? Oh, I hate to, we do need more verses. I skipped verses, don't I? I want, if you really want to learn about your sin, I can tell you one thing, and if you're not afraid to ask the light of Jesus to search your heart, read the first three chapters of Romans and realize that it's talking about Mark, not the bad guy down the road. You want to know what's in Mark's heart without Jesus? And he would be the first to admit it. Listen to this list because it's Brian's heart too. Verse 29 of Romans chapter 1, what a list. Filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil. Full of envy, murder, strife, and deceit. Malice and gossip, slandering, hating God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to your parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. And although people know the ordinance of God that anyone who practices that is worthy of death, they don't only do it, but they give hearty approval to other people who live that way. Wow. 
Wow. That's staggering, isn't it? Okay. 555. Yes. Once who did? Yeah, once Mark ran the inventory of all that. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the man. Yes, ma'am. Oh, that Mark, yeah, too. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did too. You're exactly right. Well, you don't have to figure it all out, and we got a whole lot more to talk about. But like Angel said, time is uh, time is short. So I'm not, I'm not in a rush. We don't need to be in a rush. But what I want to do is actually, so what I'll kind of sum up is this. We, we've talked about, let me even get my third marker out, even though we haven't talked about it. There are three key, have you ever noticed that the Bible sometimes, somebody like a jailer, he, this jailer who'd done some horrible things, uh, went to Paul and he said, what must I do to be saved? He actually asked the same kind of question that, that Sam did. What do I do? What do I do? And have you ever noticed in the Bible that it gives different answers? Have you ever noticed that? Have you? And usually the answer will always be one of three words. It either says repent or what? Believe. What's the third word? Do you remember the third word that's often used that isn't repentance or faith? It's a whole different word. You can find it in John 3 verse 7. When this man named Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, came to Jesus... You know, and he thought that he could, uh, he thought he was the greatest. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you don't even know me. You must be what? Born again. So the third we often see, I'll put this one down here, is spirit birth. That's the best part she says. So spirit birth. So what we're going to try to understand is what these three things are. And then how it becomes a reality. So there's something called repentance that always deals with what? Sin. There's something called faith that's always about who? Jesus. And there's something about the Holy Spirit that's called a new birth. New birth. What in the world is this? You know, uh, Jesus didn't tell Nicodemus he had to repent. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And the jailer was said, you got to believe. And then other times, no, you have to repent. So what's going on when we talk about the three? Well, I do want to close with this one thing because we've already determined that order is important, right? So we've determined that you will not go to the physician to get the medicine to be made well unless you know how what you are. Sick. You are. And so there has to be this process of learning about my sin. It starts with learning. I've only said the first thing, pollution. It's not enough for it to be in your head. It has to get to your what? Heart. And it's not enough for it to be in your heart. The Bible actually talks about the difference between godly sorrow that leads to repentance and fake sorrow that won't. There were people who acted like they were repentant, but they weren't. Saul, he was not repentant. Pharaoh, he was not repentant. Esau sought for it with what? Tears, but never found it. So it says Esau never had repentance. Neither did King Saul, neither did Pharaoh. And he even said, I'm sorry for my sin. He said, oh, I've done wrong. I did bad. I'm sorry. Was that repentance? No. So we're going to see that real repentance starts in your head, then moves to your what? Heart. And not only your heart, it moves to your what? Feet. So it's not just learning. It's a desire. Not just a desire, but there's a doing. So we need to understand, how do these fit together? 
And what does repentance have to do with faith? And what does faith and repentance have to do with being born again? Okay? So I am going to stop there. <laughs> We'd be here all day, right? But the reason I got this out, I want to tell you, when I bring this to Belarus and sit down and spend hours talking to the guys about this, afterwards they thank me so much when we finish. And most of them will tell me that they never even understood conversion very well until we had the time to really patiently look at the Bible, go through this, and understand what it means. Amen? Who wants to plug into Jesus? I do. I do. And if you want to plug in, we've got to know about repentance from sin, faith in Jesus, and spirit birth. And we have to understand what they are, not just in our head, but in our what? Heart. And not just in our heart, but in our what? Feet. And you'll be glad. I've thought of L's. They all rhyme. Can you believe it? So I've got an L here, 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 and an L here. <laughs> so let's pray, all right? Father, we do thank you that you're the best teacher, Jesus, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your patience in teaching us. We want to plug in so that we are really plugged in and stay plugged in. So all the beauty and life and love and liberty and all the glory that's in Jesus pours into us and fills us and overflows us. We don't want to play religion. We don't want to play church. We don't want to play morality. We, we want plug-in, real plug-in. And so we're asking you to plug us into Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.